Today, I am very excited to bring to you an interview that I did with author Derek Allen Sidaway. If his name sounds familiar, it's because you may remember in season one, I covered his book, Gin Tamer Starter. Derek is the author of the Griffin Writers Trilogy, the Tude of Our Saga, Gin Tamer series, as well as the Lone Wolf Anthology, Swords for Hire, Medieval Western Story Anthology, and a short story called Valiant. So without any further ado, please enjoy my interview with author Derek Allen Sidaway. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of YA Book Chat. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. I really appreciate your support. Today, I am very excited because I have an, an author interview for you guys, and this is really fun. I have actually already covered one of his books on the podcast, and so today, I get to speak with him myself. So today, my guest is author Derek Allen Sidaway. Welcome, Derek. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Excited to have a chat today. Of course. I'm excited to have you here with me. Can you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. So I've been writing, um, published writing for about seven years now. I've done a couple different epic fantasy series, um, done a lit RPG series, which is the series that you reviewed the first book of, which is Gin Tamer. I'm currently working on a couple other series right now. I live in Utah in the mountains, um, and as I say in my bio, I like to go adventuring with my wife, enjoying the outdoors, um, I live on a family farm slash ranch, so uh, a little bit of everything, I guess. <laughs> Definitely, and it sounds like a lot of fun. I have never been to Utah. I don't really know much of what else is there. <laughs> is it a lot of like ranches? Are there a lot of big cities? I, have, I don't know anything about Utah. Yeah, there's, I mean, Salt Lake's obviously the, the big one that everyone thinks of. And then uh, there's Park City, which I'm about 20 minutes from. So I'm more in the rural part of Utah. Kind of when you when you think of the shape of Utah and there's that little notch in the uh, right-hand corner, mm -hmm. we're like right exactly in that little corner <laughs> spot there. So that's nice. how I describe it to people when they ask what part of Utah I'm in. It's a good way to describe it. You got to give somebody a good landmark so that they understand. I always tell people when they ask me um, where I'm originally from, because I, I live in South Carolina, but I'm actually originally from Western New York. And I, but I always have to tell people, I'm, I can't just say New York because then they assume New York City. So then I have to say, no, uh, I'm at the other end of the state, close to the Canada border. <laughs> and then, oh, okay, you know, and then they kind of get it and understand a little bit more. No, I totally know what you mean. <laughs> So yeah, the, your book series that I talked about on the podcast last season was Gin Tamer, and I talked about the first book in the series called Gin Tamer Starter, and uh, that was a lot of fun. I had my friend David on, and we got to chit-chat about it and uh, hit into that world and the kind of the world of Pokemon and Monster Rancher and all of that fun stuff. Um, David had to school me in it a little bit because I was not as familiar, <laughs> um, but I was really excited to get into it, actually, because um, I have two boys, and I know that they are going to, when they get a little bit older, are going to really enjoy this kind of thing. So it was great, and I, I always like, to getting different types of books, different types of things that I wouldn't normally read, and so I really enjoyed reading your book. So what can you tell everybody a little bit more about the Gin Tamer series? So specifically about Gin Tamer, it was... Uh based on a, a couple different influences. Obviously, Pokemon, Digimon, and Monster Rancher are the ones that you think of first, probably, when you think of a couple of people that are fighting elemental or magical monsters against one another. But there was also a... It was actually on Game Boy Advance, so this is dating mm. myself a little bit, but a game <laughs> called Golden Sun. And that's actually where the term Jin came from. They were they kind of used in a different context in that game. Um, but basically, yeah, just combining all of those different influences mm -hmm. into a story that also tries to address some of the maybe logic gaps that, that are in the, the Pokemon universe as far as just <laughs> things that don't make sense or things that people don't talk about. Um, yeah, combining all those together. And then I, I'd, I'd worked with AJ a little bit in the past. We, we knew one another and I kind of pitched him on the idea and this was about the time when, Lit RPG really started taking off. So a couple years ago, 
And we thought, well, this is definitely a unique twist on lit RPG compared to what a lot of other people are doing that's more based on, you know, a traditional role-playing or tabletop RPG type of game. So, yeah, we really had a lot of fun with it. It's definitely a niche uh, sub, <laughs> sub-genre, but it was a lot of fun to write and just explore that world and had a great time working with AJ on that project. Good. Um, yeah, so I have to say, as somebody who, like, I'm – completely familiar with Pokemon, of course, because who doesn't know about Pokemon at least a little bit, right? Um, But I hadn't, you know, I was never really that into it or anything growing up, so I wasn't, like, um, super familiar. I, but I, the Gencyclopedia that you had at the back of the book um, was, like, my lifesaver. I, because I remember, like, I started reading it, and I was looking through, and I'm like, okay, I can kind of guess what this gin might be, but I'm not really sure. And then I, like, I don't know, one day I just was like flipping through and I looked and I was like, oh, there's an encyclopedia at the back of this. This is fantastic. <laughs> so that um, I loved. That saved my life. Did you, did you and AJ kind of put that back there, like, for people like me? Or just, I mean, yeah, why did you put that back there? Well, wait, I mean, a big part of working in a type of world where you're creating magical monsters, I guess, is the the actual description or visualizing what they look like. And so that's something we wanted to share with readers. And we, we really spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to do that, you know, especially given that most people will read our books as ebooks. Um, so it's it's not like you most people will be flipping through an actual book and they get it back and it's like oh there's pictures and there's some challenges that come along with uh, sharing pictures and ebooks. So it was actually uh, AJ's wife that helped us out a lot with the design on that and put a lot of work into the layout. Mm-hmm. And we actually went to for the actual designs themselves as, as part of the writing and outlining process. We'd settled on descriptions of what these monsters looked like. And then for the art that you see in the Gencyclopedia, we actually reached out to some artists that uh, produce what are commonly called Fakemon, basically. So it's like Pokemon, <laughs> but with the word fake in front of Mon. And it's, they're basically artists. We used a couple different ones that create their own versions of Pokemon, and they kind of use that same artistic style. Mm-hmm. And so we reached out to them and uh, commissioned them to draw these monsters just so we could really feed on that influence and get that same type of art style. And I think they really came through with the designs that we, we created for them and they added some of their own nuances that we'd never thought of, but we obviously really love. Yeah. The, um, the illustrations, like when I look at your website um, and even the book covers, cause I have one book cover, but then looking on your website, I see that there's like another set of book covers. Um, so even just looking at that and the illustrations really helped give me a lot more of a visual and then helped me to kind of understand and really be able to picture the, the monsters. Cause I, um, wasn't sure <laughs> at first, but again, you know, I didn't have as much of a background on this in Pokemon and monster tamer, but, um, yeah, but it, so it was good. So it helped me a lot. I really liked having that. Um, I wanted to ask you, what was it like working with a co-author, with working with AJ Serna? Because I've, you know, I'm always fascinated when I read a book that's written by two authors because I think, okay, how does that work? You know, everybody's got different ideas. Um, do you write parts of it? Does he write parts of it? How do you get it to merge so that it sounds like one, you know, solidified writing style? So what was that like? So maybe, um, and this analogy kind of came to me, but just barely, <laughs> but it, it's not really like we're, we're both sitting around a mixing bowl and throwing different ingredients in. I mean, I mean, definitely when we're in the outlining and just the brainstorming and kind of the story planning process, that's what we're doing. But at, once we get down, okay, here's the idea we want to go with, then it's a very back and forth process. So okay. he'll work on, you know, this layer and then it'll come back to me. So for example, with Gin Tamer, what we did and trying to remember to make sure I get the order of the process right because we've kind of mixed it up on the series we're doing now. But um, with Gin Tamer, we, we both collaborated and went back and forth on the outline. And then once we had a really solid outline in place, um, I was the one who wrote the rough draft, so the first draft. And after I wrote that, I sent it back to him and he went through the entire first draft and 
made some changes and just tried to make sure a big thing with me is continuity. And as mm -hmm. AJ likes to say, I'll throw in something kind of in the middle of a story. That's a really cool concept, but it doesn't exactly fit. And I like, <laughs> I like to break stuff when I'm going through writing, I guess I, I definitely am an outliner, but I do a lot of pantsing in the middle of my stories gotcha. too. So he, he went through and he'll usually do a second or a third draft and then I'll get it back again for a fourth draft just to kind of do a final read over. At that point, I'm looking for just minor things like voice and just putting a polish mm -hmm. on it. Obviously, throughout the whole process, we're looking for typos and edits and things like that. Yeah. Um, but usually that's how it goes. It'll go back and forth between us two or three times before it goes to the editor. Um, and it's really... Uh, People ask me what it, the, it's the question we get a lot, what it's like working with a co-author and kind of our response is that it, it I mean, it's a lot like any other relationship, you know, <laughs> people, people ask us, how do you, how do you find someone to write with? And it's like, well, how do you find a new friend or a right? spouse? Or like <laughs> so we, it, we kind of just randomly met um, not long after I started writing and after I'd first published so probably six years or so um, we worked on another project that we just did a single book under a pen name um, and a completely different genre that we're we've moved away from now but uh, as I said when I had this concept for uh, Gin Tamer I wanted to work with a co-author one just because um, it it doesn't really the the overall amount of work required to have a book go from start to finish is the same with a co-author. It's just divided up between two people. So still takes the same amount of time. It's just divided between two people. And given that uh, AJ and I are both writing on the side right now, not full time, it kind of worked out well for us to be able to pass that back and forth. And um, yeah, so he was on board with that project and we were able to work together through the entire trilogy. And we really learned a lot about each other. Um, as, as I mentioned before, the continuity issues that I like to introduce in books <laughs> for one thing. Um, we, we have an ongoing debate over how many drafts it takes to have a finished book, but <laughs> like any other relationship, it's kind of given a take thing. And um, the, the one thing though that I would add to that is um, both AJ and I are married and we give a lot of credit to both of our wives because mm -hmm. they are super patient with us <laughs> in the time that it takes us to write. Uh, and they're also great help as well. They often read some of our early drafts and we'll talk through story ideas with them. AJ is actually working on a series with his wife right now that she's co-authoring. So oh, nice. um, there's, there's also that component of the relationship is our, <laughs> our spouses that are so supportive of us as well. That's really cool. Um, I'm not sure I could write a book with my husband. That might be, I, I give props to AJ for that because I really don't know if that would be feasible for me. I have, um, I do know, you know, some other people who write um, and I've written a couple of children's books, but like I have one friend who I feel like I could probably like write something longer with if her and I had to work on it together, but it would it definitely, sh I, I would probably be more like you because I tend to be more of a panther and like just write whatever. Like I will just sit and write whatever comes in my head and go back and edit it out and figure it out later. Um, she is definitely more of an outliner and a planner. So if we were to ever do something together, I could see, I could see us going that route <laughs> as well. But I mean, maybe one day we'll collaborate and do something. Who knows? But <laughs> I could I'm definitely more of a, a pantser myself. Also. <laughs> There's, there's definitely a lot of uh, compromising as I is going back to just talking about it as a relationship. <laughs> and we're fortunate, uh, both AJ and I, that we both have pretty thick skin because we can be pretty harsh uh, with our critiques to one <laughs> another um, and just some of the banter we have back and forth. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, it, it takes a lot of compromise, especially when you're planning out really the character's motives and the character's growth over a book and then just certain concepts for a story. That's something that we'll go back and forth on. And it, it, it's not like too, that we finish the outline and then that that's it. We write the rough draft and we do the revision and then we're done. I mean, we probably yeah. meet, I would say every other week with just things that come up. Mm -hmm. And again, a lot of that back and forth, but in the end I found that um, 
we also have really complimentary voices, which is also important if you're trying yeah. to write a book that sounds like it's from a single voice, even when two mm -hmm. people are contributing. Uh, but I found that uh, there are things that we both do and his attention to detail and my kind of big picture, I, I think combined together, we write better books than we did before solo. So moving forward, we um, are doing a few projects together and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute, but we're also kind of excited to see how our next solo projects are going to be just after the experience of going through these books together too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was going to ask you, um, are you, what are you and AJ working on together coming up? So <laughs> this is kind of a loaded question and, and oh I say that because <laughs> I'll obviously um, make sure my readers get a chance to listen to this, but we get a lot of questions. And uh, before I started Gin Tamer, ironically, I'm probably more well-known in general for my Griffin Writers trilogy that I wrote um, was three years ago was when the first book came out. And then took a break from those to do Gin Tamer. And so what happened was, uh, I'm fortunate enough that there have been a lot of readers that loved Griffin Riders and really want to know when the next book in that series is coming out. And then AJ and I have been fortunate that there are a lot of readers that read Gin Tamer and want to know when more Gin Tamer <laughs> is coming out. So um, tentatively, what our, what our schedule is like and just looking at the next two to three years, we've, we've kind of got a, a big production slate piled up now, but um, what we're doing is we have plans for uh, Gin Tamer. If, if you've read the books, there's kind of broken down the different leagues between bronze, silver, and gold. Mm -hmm. And so naturally, since this trilogy was called the Bronze League, we'll be doing a silver and a gold league. Those will probably be larger, well, almost certainly be larger than trilogies. And we just sent a newsletter out to some of our readers, letting them know that we're really looking at the, the format for how we do the Silver League. So as far as the length of the books and how we can deliver them to fans faster. Uh, aside from Gin Tamer, we're also looking at collaborating on a Griffin Writers book in the future. That'll be a little different in that uh, AJ is going to basically outline the book and write it. And I'm more of a, uh, going to be in a producer role for that, which kind of sounds okay. funny when you're talking about books, <laughs> but I'll basically get it on the third draft. I, we'll, we'll settle on the outline together and then I'll get it on the third draft and kind of go through it more as the uh, owner or creator of the world than an actual co-author. So there's a couple of projects we're working on together. Uh, as I mentioned, AJ's got a series that he's coming out with next year with his wife and in the meantime, um, more immediate future, I'm actually working on another series with another co-author that okay. we're planning to have out probably in the spring. So a nice. lot of irons in the fire. Definitely sounds like it. You are keeping busy over there. Um, so you kind of remind me of myself in a way. I, so, okay. Except you're keeping busy in like one arena book writing. I keep myself busy in like five <laughs> different. I am crazy that way. Um, I just recently switched careers, like not just job, but entire career. So I have that. Um, I do this. I do my podcast on the side. Um, I am reading all the time, which I consider a thing because it takes up a lot of my time, but in a good way. <laughs> um, and then I, I work part-time also as a children's entertainer. And while we can't do anything in person right now, we are doing some kind of virtual thing. So I'm trying to find time where I can um, just record like videos here and there for that. And then I am also editing. I'm also a writer and editor for a blog. So, you know, I kind of put my hat in lots of different rings and do lots of things on the side. Yours at least is all in one spot. That might be a little bit easier. <laughs> Definitely. No, I, I totally understand um, having uh, roles in a lot of different arenas. <laughs> but it's fun. It keeps me going, you know, keeps me active, lots to do. So 
All right. So you talked about your Griffin Writers trilogy. So let's talk about that one a little bit. You sent me that, which I was really excited about. Um, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I did give the first book to my 10-year-old and he started reading it and he's been enjoying it. But why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about that series and kind of what it's about? So my... What I, before I got into lit RPG, but even with lit lit RPG in some ways, my tagline is that I write uh, epic fantasy that's fast paced with heart. And that's really where that all started was with the Griffin Writers trilogy. So they're not huge books. Um, They're definitely fast paced, but they are, they do tell stories that are on a grand scale and kind of the original inspiration behind them was looking at, uh, there's a lot of dragon type stories out there with dragon mm-hmm. riders. You think of Aragon and Christopher Paolini's, Paolini's series, uh, Anne McCaffrey series, mm-hmm. Dragon Riders of Pern. So I was looking at that and thinking of a way to put a twist on it, uh, which is kind of where the idea for Griffins came from. And then from there, I really took a lot of time before I started writing and outlining that series to go over some of my favorite uh, fantasy books that maybe a lot of people don't know. So I drew a lot of inspiration from the Chronicles of Pridane by Lloyd Alexander. Um, Those are similar in that they're shorter books, but they still manage to tell an epic story. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't know the size comparison between Chronicles of Pridane and Lord of the Rings, for example, but you could (laughs) probably combine the entire, uh, I think it's, Seven, I should know this. Anyway, however many books are in the Chronicles of Pridane, and they would probably make up like one and a half Lord of the Rings books. You know, it would be the fellowship (laughs) in the two towers. So um, that was something I really wanted to do was to tell kind of a contained epic story from mostly a single point of view, but Mm -hmm. still get that kind of uh, epic grand level scale of everything that's going on in the world. Yeah, I like that. And I think, um, like, I'm a really big fantasy fan. And um, so I love those types of stories. And I think it is great when you can have a book that is a little bit shorter, but still tells such a huge epic tale. I know for me, um, I'm in, I'm almost done. <laughs> Some book that I'm reading right now, I'm actually rereading it. So I can talk about it on the podcast. But it's, it's really good. But it's also really long. <laughs> And so I've been just like struggling to finish it. And I do like, sometimes I don't mind that, but sometimes I do just want to grab those books that are shorter, but still give me a really great uh, story, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know like for, for different ages too, you know, like I said, my 10 year old was starting to read it because it's, it's really good for, you know, like readers like him and middle school and stuff who are still trying to, you know, figure out what they like. Maybe they don't have as long of an, atten- an attention span. Um, so yeah, I think I, I love that. I love that kind of fantasy story that you can wrap up, but it doesn't have to be like a super long epic thing either. You know, I mean, Lord of the Rings is fantastic. <laughs> don't get me wrong, but those are really long books and movies. Who are we joking? I mean, come yeah, on. No, yes. <laughs> those movies are ridiculously long, but they're good. So, (laughs) okay. And then you have one more series as well. And I am, don't have my email in front of me. So for the life of me, I'm not going to remember how to pronounce it. So can you (laughs) just go for it? Just go for it. Is it Toidiver? I can't see. Close. Tudivar. Tudivar. Okay. Tudivar Saga. So can you tell everybody a little about that one? So the name, I I feel like I should start off by explaining where the name came from. Uh (laughs) The name is the family name of the main character and the inspiration from it came from uh, a, I believe it's a pair of gods in German mythology and they're kind of like war gods called the two tatties and i may be butchering that too but anyway the (laughs) two tatties is where i got the inspiration for two tavar and again i I totally understand that (laughs) it's a rough one to pronounce so you know Uh, what i've just become accustomed to the fact that authors pick certain names for things and they are just most of them not pronounceable to me and that is okay like it's fine (laughs) i actually really like it because i love um unique names like that i like things that are different instead of just cookie cutter you know so it's fun Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i've noticed um 
in the past three or four years, I really started listening more to audiobooks. just given when I have time to read, it's mm-hmm. more, it's easier to listen to an audiobook than to sit down again, going back to making the time to sit down and read a good book all in one yeah. setting. Um, but I, I've noticed the same thing when I'll listen to an audiobook and then I might look at an ebook and I'll look at a name and it's like, wow, I never would have thought that it was pronounced like that. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a whole different world and <laughs> kind of a side note, but I've noticed that the more I listen to audiobooks, it's one, it makes me think about how I spell and how I really <laughs> focus on pronunciation in my writing. Yeah. But I think it's changed my writing in that I, I think more in terms of as I'm writing a book, it's like, how is this going to sound in audio form? You know, is this paragraph going to be yeah. clunky? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I can, I can appreciate that. I don't listen to too many audio books. Um, I just, I do tend to sit and like read actual books more. Um, but the audio books that I have listened to, yeah, sometimes they do. I am like, that is not at all how I was going to pronounce that. I don't understand that. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, is the narrator really reading that correctly? But you know, <laughs> sometimes I'm sure it's just me. I'm just wrong, but that's fine. <laughs> it's one of those things when you uh, dis- discuss a book, maybe with a friend or with someone else who's read it for the first time. And you get to that part where there's a name or something that you say, and they're like, what, what did you just say? You, know, uh-huh. you have two completely <laughs> different ways that you've pronounced it in your head. Yes, exactly. Uh, there's a book series by Marissa Meyer that I have read, and one of my very good podcasting friends, well, her whole podcast is about this year, Miss Marissa Meyer. Um, and we both have different pronunciations of some of the names of the characters. But then she got to meet Marissa Meyer and Marissa Meyer said, no, this is actually how you pronounce it. And she's like, oh, <laughs> you know, well, I'm still going to pronounce oh. it my way. <laughs> but so, you know, it's fine. But anyway, um, so yes. Yeah, so continue to tell us <laughs> a little what that saga is about. Sorry, I totally sidetracked us there. So, oh, it's, uh, two it's all good. The first book. No worries. So the first book, uh, Out of Exile, was the first book that I had published back in uh, November of 2013. And it was really my first uh, completed attempt kind of through the, the entire process, start to finish, revisions, revisions, um, so many revisions and edits <laughs> to get that ready to go. But my first attempted an epic fantasy. And, and when I wrote it, my plan was that it was going to be a five book series and I was going to do all five of them in a row. And that was really going to be their larger books too. Um, probably 20,000 words larger than mm. the average Griffin writer's book. Um, the one, and I, I guess my, another signature of mine is that I like to put twists on certain settings or tropes in fantasy. Mm-hmm. So with Tudavar and to some extent with Griffin writers, a lot of people will see that in that world too. I took uh, the traditional fantasy setting and what you think of, you know, as Game of Thrones and Island or some type of European continent <laughs> that's based in Europe or in England, something like that. And I thought, okay, well, what if the the Middle Ages had happened in a more of a North American setting? And mm. so there's the combination, you still have the knights and the castles and everything like that. Then I also tried to uh, do my best to give homage and to more of uh, Native American type tribes or uh, just horsemen. And really the big thing is the the setting and looking at, okay, imagining castles and fortresses and Mm -hmm. giant epic battles, medieval style battles in kind of an American Western setting, you know, in the Great Plains (laughs) and the Rocky Mountains, things like that. Just trying to mix up the setting a little bit from the traditional, here's an island that looks just like uh, Great Britain, but it's definitely not Great Britain. So (laughs) another fresh twist on that. And and really bur- building off of that as I w- explored the world, that of course gets into the cultures of the, the, the inhabitants of the world. And it really expanded out from there in a number of ways that I'd never anticipated. And again, the same thing kind of with the Griffin Writers trilogy as well. That's been a lot of fun to explore in both of those series. But 
Uh, currently, the Tudovar Saga has uh, two books and kind of a prequel shorter novella mm -hmm. out in it. Mm -hmm. uh, for those people who've been waiting for since uh, 2014 for another book <laughs> in that series, the, the good news is, is that the, the series I'm working on next, as soon as AJ and I finish up uh, Glitch King, which is the sequel to God Mode, which is a lit RPG duology that we're working on right now, is um, where I'm going back to the Tudovar world, and it won't be the next book in the series, but it'll be set a few hundred years before with my other co-writer. So I'm really excited to get back into that and return to that world. And then along with trying to make sure uh, we keep readers happy with Griffin Writers and Gin Tamer <laughs> as well. So That's a lot to juggle. That is hard. You know, it's funny because um, I think about, you know, in the, okay, the books that I read, I always end up picking a series, unknowingly, mind you, unknowingly picking a series that is not completed yet. And I get, and I finish the book and I'm like, oh man, now I got to wait like another year or something. How long is this going to be? And I, I always think like, yeah, authors, you must get so many questions. Like I am sure you get emails and, you know, DMs and messages and stuff from readers. And you, that's probably like always one of the biggest questions I would imagine. When is this next book coming out? When is this one coming out? Like, I, I mean, I actually recently uh, messaged an author myself <laughs> on Instagram because she had, I'd read a preview of this new book that she's writing. I got to read like the first five chapters of it and it sounded really good. And I was super excited and it was supposed to come out this month, November. It's supposed to come out in November and nothing. And I'm looking and then somebody, somebody said, oh yeah, I saw that she posted something about like, it's going to be a whole nother year because she decided to change stuff. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I always feel like I bet authors get asked those kind of questions a lot. It's got to be hard because I know writing is not an easy process, you know, but it's hard to please well, I'm, everybody. I'm the same thing as a reader. I mean, I, the easy example is everybody's waiting for the next book in A Song of Ice and Fire. But even just, I found that um, when I discover a series, the same thing I'll look through to see if it's finished. And then, um, or even if it's not, but if it's a longer series. So a good example of this is I started reading uh, Will White's Cradle series last year. Mm -hmm. And he had, I think, six books that were already all out. And you know, so you, you get hooked on a series that you really love and Cradle's yeah. amazing. And I blazed through those. And then it was a, about a year until the next one, Winter Still, it just came out last week. And <laughs> that way, it, it's the same thing, even though I'm an author and I understand it, it doesn't make it any easier for, no. to write. The ironic thing is that I never, like I said, when I started writing Tudovar Saga, it was going to be this big epic tale. And I was going to just go through the all five books and just write them all out and then I kind of got I guess you could say shiny object syndrome where it was like <laughs> oh I've got this idea for Griffin Riders but the Griffin Riders trilogy is completed I should tell people that that's good <laughs> it's a contained story and then there was Gin Tamer which is also completed in, in a contained story good and then the the duology or the two book series we're working on now as I said, we're just finishing up the second book. So really, Tudovar is the only series that I've left people <laughs> hanging on. So I try now when I start, um, and I, I guess this is probably completely untrue. I was just about to say, I try now when I start a new series to finish it before I move on to something else. But mm -hmm. looking at my next four books, they're going to be two books in a new series, um, and then <laughs> another one that's a Griffin Rider standalone. So I'm kind of hopping all over the place again. But I really do try and um, as my wife and some of the other authors that I'm really close with or work closely with will know, I've cut out a number of projects just to make sure I can get back to the existing worlds I have because I think that's important when you have a, when you have a world or a series mm -hmm. that readers like and you as an author still have more stories to tell there that um, I think it's important that you know, you get back to that for readers and give them an opportunity to explore those worlds again, even if it's not with the same characters. And even if you might have to wait a year or two, but um, I really do listen to the emails I get and the inquiries about when books are coming <laughs> out. And it definitely does influence uh, my plans and making sure that I'm being true to uh, my readers, especially some of the really early ones that 
kind of hopped on board with Tudavar and have been very patient over the last <laughs> five plus years. Oh man. Um, and it, what's cool is that you sound like that you're, um, you good with like keeping up with your readers and kind of keeping them informed. You were saying earlier, you sent them out newsletters and stuff. Cause see, there's some authors who I feel like don't ever do that and just leave you like, okay, I'm going to drop names because he knows <laughs> what he did. So I'm going to name names. Oh my gosh. So uh, Pierce Brown, uh, who's wrote, who's writing the Red Rising series, he's got five books out right now and there's going to be a sixth book. So it's really kind of like two um, trilogies. It's the same story, but like the first set of books takes place with the, the main character starts, he's 16, you know, and he ages a little bit, but, but the book four starts 10 whole years after the end of book three. So it's really almost like two separate trilogies. That man destroyed his readers in book five. Like everything that an author could possibly do to a reader as in like, I'm going to kill all your favorite characters and like the whole cardinal list of cardinal oh sins. My, yes. All of them were committed in this one book. And then he's got the nerve to not even say anything at all about when his next, when the final book will be out and like no hints or anything at all. I like, I follow him religiously on Instagram and I'm like, can you just post something? Anything. It's like, today's the day. Today's the day, right? Oh, every day he posts something, you know, or even like in his stories, I'm always like, please, please, please. I just need some kind of hint of what's going on and when's what's going to. No, he, I think he, like, it seems like he takes pleasure in torturing his readers, you know, like it's fun. <laughs> I don't know, but whatever. It's fine. Eventually they'll get to read that sixth and final book and find out how he's going to fix everything that he just broke. But <laughs> um, I hope it meets expectations. There's always the wait where you kind of just build up and build up mm -hmm. before you get to actually read the book. Yeah, that's kind of it. I, and I have read book series too, where I was waiting for the last one and then it came out and I was a little bit disappointed at the end. And I was like, no, this is not okay. But what can you do? You know, it's just my opinion. The author still did an amazing job. I just didn't happen to be my favorite, but that's fine. <laughs> All right. So tell me about what, what do you like to read? I know what you like to write, but what kinds of books do you like to read and what maybe are you currently reading? So I'm, a, I guess, a couple of mixes, you could say. I kind of rotate between a nonfiction book of various genres. So um, really like, uh, honestly, self-improvement books or just like life hack books. Mm -hmm. And then also, um, I, I wouldn't call it research, but reading historical books, you know, about, um, there was a great one I just read called, I believe it was Comanche Moon. Or Empire of the Summer Moon. Empire of the Summer Moon. Comanche okay. Moon is uh, the sequel to Lonesome Dove, I think. Don't know why that popped <laughs> in my head. Empire of the Summer Moon, it was just a, it's basically about the rise and fall of the Comanche Nation. And it was just an amazing historical book. And I found a few others like that. Um, but, in, but talking about more of fiction books, I obviously love reading fantasy. I've noticed myself being pickier, I guess you could say, in the fantasy that I read. So I've got the authors that I love and I grab everything of theirs when it comes out. And then there's um, just interacting with so many authors. You always end up with more books than you can ever get through. But I always try to check out some of my peers that I interact with and some of their books, uh, which is, as I mentioned before, that's kind of how I discovered Will White's Cradle series was just being in an author. I guess you could call it a, a mastermind or just a group with him mm -hmm. and picking up his series. I really love them. Um, also, right now I'm reading uh, an advanced copy of uh, Michael Sullivan's upcoming book that takes place in his world of Elan. Um, I, that, that one's, uh, all of his books are amazing. This one's shaping up to be amazing too. I don't want to share too much about it because like I said, and it's, an, it's an advanced copy. So I don't, obviously I'm not going to spoil anything, but I also don't want to <laughs> share too much information there, but I've had the opportunity, um, which has been amazing because uh, I read his first series, Theft of Swords, back in, it was probably, it was a couple of years before I started publishing, and he had this Q&A in the back. I've never noticed that before. 
um, but he talked about his self-publishing journey and he's been one of the people that really helped me to start my career as an indie author. Um, mm -hmm. I've been in contact with him basically since I started this journey. He's just an, an amazing author, but also just a really great guy, really helpful for those in the industry. So having the opportunity to read one of his advanced copies of his books has been amazing. And like I said, his stories never disappoint. So yeah, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm a bounce back and forth between uh, fantasy. I do read some lit RPG. I'm also kind of picky with that as well. Um, try to read some of the stuff that's, um, uh, that's getting a lot of attention, but also some of the stuff that some of those undiscovered gems and yeah, just between lit RPG and fantasy. And then again, some of those historical books and then just kind of the random one-off books about self-development or whatever it might be um, <laughs> to, just to break it up, you know, to give yeah. yourself a, a little bit, a taste of something different. Yeah. I'm, um, I tend to, I tend to kind of stick to the same thing. Um, I do, I, I don't use, I don't read very much nonfiction, which I can, I mean, I should, I should read more, but I have read a, his, you said you like historical stuff. I did read a historical fiction book recently that I really liked a lot. So I want to try and venture into that area and maybe read some more in that realm as well. All right. Just a couple of fun questions outside of the book world. It says it's on your website and then you mentioned it at the beginning that you're a rancher. Um, <clears throat> as a person who has absolutely no clue like what that entails. Can you tell me like what that's like? What does it mean to be a rancher? What, what is your typical day like? So most people when they hear about um, a farm or a ranch, they probably <laughs> imagine, um, well, if they watch the show Yellowstone, they probably imagine that. <laughs> We're definitely not anything like Yellowstone. Um, our, our farm is definitely, so it's a, I'm a fourth generation um, uh, farmer slash rancher. Grew up in the and the family homestead or the family farm, I guess you could say. Uh, it's definitely a side thing. Um, it's, not, it's not anybody's full-time job here. Um, like mm. I said, we're definitely not like Yellowstone. Um, we have about 140 acres. We have a few sheep and some cows. As far as crops, we just raise hay to feed the sheep and the cows. Um, have a couple horses. So, okay. you know, it's it's just enough to keep you busy. There, there's kind of this old saying in the community that um, as a farmer, if you want a million dollars, you just blow it all on farming and you wouldn't know what else to do with it. And so you get back <laughs> where you started. But um, no, it's, a, it's definitely a lot of work and it's a big mm -hmm. commitment. Um, kind of when you were mentioning earlier, you know, the different hats and different things, it definitely takes up as much or more time than writing does. Um, and it's nice. The balance between the two is nice though, because writing, obviously you spend a lot of time sitting uh, right now as I'm going mm -hmm. through the second draft of Glitch King, the book that AJ and I are working on to finish right now. Um, just trying to power through it. It's nice to be able to have that escape sometimes for the outdoors and vice versa too. There's definitely some times when, um, people kind of have this romantic notion, I guess, of <laughs> what it, what it is to own a farm or a ranch. And there's definitely times when it's nice to get a break from that too. So the two yeah. kind of offset each other and balancing, balance each other out. Well, I think it's funny because I think people, you know, they watch like old Westerns or I don't know, these old TV shows where it looks like, you know, the ranchers just have all these horses and all this land and maybe they have cows and they just mosey around all day and like keep an eye on them and make sure they're all in their pens or where they have to, you know what I mean? Like it's not, that's not realistic. Like it doesn't show all the hard work that you actually have to do to keep up the land and all of that stuff. So it's just, I mean, yeah, I, I can see that people get all kinds of different fantasy ideas in their heads of what all a lot of different uh, careers and whatnot are like for sure. All right. So tell me about what kind of adventuring do you and your wife like to do? What kinds of outdoors stuff? So we, um, as I said before, she's very patient and supportive between <laughs> me being a writer and then also um, kind of being married into someone who works on a family farm as well. <laughs> um, we, we just took a trip though, back in August and 
we went around to some national parks and some areas in Colorado and Southern Utah. It was super smoky with all the fires, but had a really uh -huh. great time just getting in the outdoors, um, living in the, the place that we do, like I said, right next to the Uinta Mountains, which are kind of an offshoot of the Rocky Mountains. Okay. Um, lot of opportunities just for hiking and then our actual location we're very near to a reservoir so we'll get out and we'll go for runs sometimes in the evening next to the lake um, mm -hmm. not as much as we'd like to I, I, I definitely don't <laughs> want to paint us out as um, you know fitness buffs or anything like that but we definitely try to be active and spend time together um, doing active things like that but also um I'm fortunate that uh, she she's kind of a mix like me where we still enjoy getting out and doing physical things like hiking and mm -hmm. exploring things like that. But we definitely enjoy, um, we both enjoy fantasy and sci-fi. So we also have the opportunity to watch a lot of shows together and just a lot of shared interests, which is, which is a really great thing to be able to share that and not being the person that's like, okay, I'm going to go watch, you know, Lord of the Rings right now by myself because <laughs> you can't watch it for five minutes without getting bored. Um, <laughs> definitely not the case with us. That's good. Yeah, I was actually, um, so the, there are, my husband and I have a lot of shared interests like that as well, but there are definitely things that we don't. I, <laughs> I just watched the new Netflix movie, Enola Holmes, definitely not in his wheelhouse. I was watching it one night actually to talk about it on somebody else's podcast and um, I had started watching it. I was a good like three quarters of the way through. He comes downstairs. He sits down. He's like, what are you watching? <laughs> and I just, and then he starts making all these like sarcastic remarks and I said, can you, you're ruining this for me. I'm trying to enjoy this, <laughs> but it's, so it's fun. Like we don't, you know, we have a lot that we like together, but, um, we also definitely have different interests as well, but we have a good rapport where we can like tease each other about them or, you know, and whatnot. Um, we also enjoy outdoor activities and whatnot. We'll take our boys and we like to go camping and hiking and yeah, so it's fun. Some, sometimes though, um, with a seven-year-old and an almost 10-year-old, I, you know, they're just not always as into it, but right. we just make them do it. I'm like, are we there yet? I'm tired of walking. Seriously. <laughs> do we have to keep hiking? Why are we doing this? This is dumb. I'm like, listen, being outside is really good for you. And, and you need to learn to explore and appreciate nature. Look at all these animals. <laughs> like there's bugs. You like bugs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I try to find the little things like that. You know, we have one place that we go camping every time we go there and we go hiking. It's an adventure. We never know what we're going to see. Like one year we saw a black bear cub. The next year we saw a full grown adult, uh, copperhead snake, uh, then it was a water snake another year. This year we saw bear poop on the trail, pretty fresh. So we knew it was around. <laughs> we saw another copperhead snake, a scorpion, and uh, had something growl at us from the woods as we passed by, which was fun. So <laughs> you just never know. Life is an adventure. And I, I love doing that. And I always love talking to other people who like outdoor stuff as well. So. Definitely the, the great outdoors and all of the <laughs> mysteries that come along with it, right? So many mysteries. <laughs> but um, all right. Well, can you tell everybody where they can find your books and where they can follow you on social media? Yeah, definitely. So you can check out my website, DerekAllenSidaway.com. Um, it's probably due for an update on a couple of things, but all of my books are listed there. You can find them on any of the major uh, book retailers. So Barnes and Noble, Amazon, iBooks, Kobo, uh, some books on Google Play. So pretty much anywhere you're looking for books. Um, also on Audible with uh, three series, Griffin Writers Trilogy, which was had the opportunity to be narrated by Kate Rudd, who just did an amazing job with that. And then the Gin Tamer trilogy, obviously, as well, was narrated by Oliver Wyman, who also did an exceptional job. And then we're working on the completing the audio set for God Mode, which is the lit RPG duology that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. um, that's available 
uh, exclusive through Amazon, but also on uh, Audible as well. And that will be up on Audible. And then um, my next project uh, that were the next two books I'm on, they'll, they'll be released wide. Um, I'm holding up quotation marks as well. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of an insider term, but they'll be available on all retailers or you can get them direct through me. Uh, one thing I set up earlier this year was a kind of a direct bookstore where people can grab the ebook. It's easily delivered to their device, just like if they went through Amazon or Kobo. Um, so definitely encourage people to check that out. Sometimes I'll do different types of things there and you can find all of that information on my website. I'm also on, I'm not as good at keeping things updated on Facebook. So if you're looking for updates, the place to be is definitely on my website, signing up for my newsletter. I send newsletters out um, at the, the first and third Sunday of every month. We, we usually send a separate Gin Tamer newsletter out uh, about once a month. So yeah, that's where we give updates on what we're writing next, what, what, how progress is going on things. And then I also just try to share some of the comings and goings from the farm as well there just to mix things up a little bit because <laughs> it would get really boring if all I said is, well, since we talked last time, I revised four chapters and <laughs> yeah, I still don't have a release date for you guys. So I try to keep things uh, interesting and not just um, focused on, okay, I'm 20% through this next book. Although I know that's important too, and readers obviously care about that as well. Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> well, good. Um, and I know you've got an Instagram page as well, and I will put links to um, Derek's website as well as his Instagram in the show notes for today so that everybody can easily access that and go take a look at all of his books. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, I, I loved being able to um, read your book and review it on the podcast. And so it's really fantastic to be able to have you as a guest today as well. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a great time. Of course. All right. Well, and thank you everybody so much for listening and we will chat again soon. Thank you so much to author Derek Allen Sidaway for sitting down and having a chat with me today. Please be sure to go to Derek's website and check out all of his books. And don't forget to subscribe to YA Book Chat to get all of your episodes as soon as they are available. And be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook for all the latest updates. And last but certainly not least, thank you so much to all of my Patreon supporters. I would not be here if it wasn't for you.